radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Agile FM. Today I'm here with Heidi Halfand from... She's a director of product and technology excellence at Procore Technologies. Uh, Heidi was on the original development team that invented GoToMeeting and GoToWebinar. Heidi is based in Southern California. We're going to talk today about dynamic reteaming. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me here. It's awesome. Thank you for spending some time here with me and the listeners uh, talking about dynamic reteaming. Um, so uh, you wrote the book, uh, Dynamic Reteaming, and this book is now published in the second edition. And um, so what I learned, because I have only the second edition, not the first edition, but what I learned about the change between the first and the second is uh, you expanded on team calibration, onboarding, retrospectives. I'm always interested in talking about that. Um, and there is also, while I was reading through it, a reference to COVID. So this is a relatively new edition. Yeah, I believe it was uh, published maybe around July 2020. Mm-hmm. Finished around then. And yeah, it was like COVID was among us, um, as it unfortunately is now. And, and yeah, it, it was... Yeah, it was it was something that definitely has impacted teams. Right. So I found that as I was going through the manuscript, it, it was definitely worthy of mentioning. Absolutely. So just like I mean, we're gonna go into more the definition of re- what reteaming is, just in case somebody wonders what is reteaming. I mean, somebody might not have heard that term before. Um, did reteaming increase uh, as a fact of uh, COVID or is, is that something that is irrelevant or is it more like from working from home kind of thing? I would assume the answer to that is yes, there's more reteaming going on, but I just want to hear from you. So uh, does COVID have a, an impact on reteaming? COVID definitely has an impact on reteaming. And I think the main thing that stood out definitely in 2020, I think it might be getting a little bit better now is a lot of people were leaving teams and, and there were a lot of layoffs mm-hmm. and that was very striking uh, due to everything that happened and the economic challenges that companies uh, were going through. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, so definitely challenging, challenging time. And when people join teams, it's reteaming. When people leave teams, it's reteaming. And sometimes it's just one person, but other times it's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. To feel happier when it's a growth situation, but uh, we experienced definitely uh, in the world uh, there was a lot of uh, people leaving teams in 2020. Right. Yeah. So in, in your book, you're you're describing. I mean, I want to go back and bring all the the listeners here into the the road towards that book. You know, the initial idea. Um, so you're illustrating a couple of bumpy roads uh, with companies you had worked for way, way back. Um, and some of those companies uh, went through things that we now would define as something as reteaming. But I'm just curious when, at what point, was there like one moment that stood out where it's like, okay, I see a pattern or is there, I see, I noticed something in, uh, in my workplace or something I'm doing where you feel like, 
this is the moment I need to start writing about this topic. I'm just curious because you the, the road was bumpy, right? There were several things you went through uh, with companies that hit the wall, got purchased, acquired, if I'm not mistaken, and all these things. And then something really, really good came out of it, right? Yeah, so back, if I look back in my career and it spans about a little over 20 years, I was at uh, three different startups that grew bigger. And then I had a consulting stint in the middle of that. Um, first company, I was the 15th employee. I left at 800. We invented GoToMeeting, GoToWebinar. Uh, at the early stages of that company, we were building different products. We were trying to change the world with uh, screen sharing or tech support delivered via screen sharing. We were creating this marketplace of experts. The startup was called Expert City. And I was on the web development team at the time. I was an interaction designer. We were, uh, we were working on these amazing features for our clients. But the problem was there weren't many clients. There weren't, people didn't want to buy our software and we had to pivot to save the company. Mm -hmm. And as I look back at that circumstance, I was invited to be part of a small team that was put off the side to work on a new product. We wound up building one called go to my PC. And in my view, it saved the company. Yeah. So it was that people were invited from existing teams to be a part of a small team off to the side. We were given process freedom. Everyone else was told to leave us alone. We didn't have to follow the waterfall processes that we all uh, <laughs> were very much uh, into for building the first product. And we were able to do something different. We were able to innovate. And I later, many years later, I look back on that experience and I've noticed other teams uh, forming to solve a purpose like that off to the side. I call it the isolation pattern of reteaming. So I think after a number of years, I looked back and I had perspective, but so that was like one thing that led me to reteaming, but then there was another thing. And this was more of something that started to bother me. So I was at that company for eight years. The second startup I joined, I was the 10th employee and I was there, I think until 600 employees. Mm -hmm. So from 10 wow. to 600. At that company, we wanted to do things different. There were several people from the first team at the first startup, and we shared a co-founder from both. Mm -hmm. And it was almost an opportunity to do things differently. And we deliberately reteamed in order to spread knowledge. We had roots in pairing, switching pairs. And it was a very kind of changeable, um, deliberate, dynamic environment in which we we learned, we had feedback loops. We mm -hmm. didn't want to get in a situation where someone would leave and knowledge would leave with them. Mm -hmm. And so we deliberately did things for knowledge sharing. And I, so I was at that company for nine years mm -hmm. and I was coaching. I built a group of, uh, uh, a coaching group as well. And at one point, we were all very addicted to learning and getting better at how, what makes a successful team and how do we coach teams and all of the stuff that I would read mm -hmm. always had the theme of, well, what you really want to do is have these long lived stable teams. What you really want to do is keep your teams the same for predictability. That was some of the lines that I would read. Right. After a while, I looked back at my career and, and this second startup had already gone public. We were a very successful company. Many, many uh, customers 
um, Appfolios, the company. And I looked back and I was like, wait a minute. If I believe all this stuff that I'm reading, it it kind of insists that we were doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. We had built an award-winning company culture. We had 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 fair, just you know, it was kind of like we did the market, we we did the market uh, validation for the products. We had a lot of customers, and all of this traditional wisdom about teams just mm-hmm. to me was like it's it's off. You wow. got to lean into the change. And then I became obsessed with trying to prove the point that t- your teams are going to change. It's inevitable. You might as well lean into it and get good at that. And then I thought, well, was it just us? Was it, this just some Southern California thing? Mm-hmm. I became curious. So, that, you know, part of it is my experience and my stories from, from these years in software development. But then I started interviewing my worldwide colleagues Mm-hmm. And so I'd interview people for an hour at a time, transcribe the data, code the data for themes. And what emerged was patterns of team change. Mm-hmm. And there are five and I write about them in the book. So I, I really, it, it really became like a quest to prove a point. But it's, it's funny, right? Because in, in the agile uh, community, we always talk about embracing change. And, uh, and then you look at teams and you, you're like, there's this, this addiction sometimes in some companies we had worked or I have worked with where there's an addiction of keeping teams stable, right? And uh, and I always remind them just naturally, this is not going to happen. Uh, there will be people leaving, there will be people joining um, and products are changing. So why would the teams not be changing, right? Uh, but it is refreshing to see that there is something out there where you did the research, right? And you found these patterns of of, uh, of reteaming and uh, I just want to just spell them out here, right? So it's one by one, grow and split, isolation, merging and switching. If somebody wanted to start with any kind of reteaming, is that one of those five that would stand out for like, if, if the listener says like, you know, like, let give me one, what would be a good starting point uh, for me to start um, anything with reteaming? Is, is one of those patterns more suitable than others? Well, it's interesting because it's kind of like what have I, I would almost flip that question a little bit to be what have you experienced so far? So many of us working in companies have experienced the one by one pattern. People are going to join our teams and people are going to leave our teams. So what can we do to better support both of those situations? There's a wonderful um, almost history of activities that we can do to support onboarding of new team members. Mm-hmm. And I think many of us have been doing this for so many years, it's just kind of normal. We might not even think about that as a team change. Right. But really, if you think about it, one person join, one person leaves, that team system is different. So maybe you have uh, someone uh, joins from another team or someone joins from outside the company and suddenly you have maybe a new perspective that you haven't heard of before. So anyway, I would I, I would almost think of like, what have you experienced in the past? So one by one is, is, is like, you know, probably one of the most common patterns that we might not have really thought about, but it's mm-hmm. there and how can we get better at it? When someone leaves the team, we can acknowledge their contribution. There's a wonderful activity from organizational relationship systems coaching from ORSC, mm-hmm. which is about inner roles and outer roles. So someone's outer role is like their job description. I am a product manager. Okay, well, what does that mean? And what do you do? Mm-hmm. You hire for that role. But when the person inhabits that role, they bring their personality, 
their differences, their experiences. And so when they leave a team, maybe there's something that you want to carry on that they did. Maybe they were the ones that always told a joke during your daily stand-up meeting. Maybe they were the ones that when you were in person, they baked cookies and brought them in. Like, so what do you want to carry on now that this person has left maybe for another team or mm -hmm. well, if they go on to another job, right. um, so there's tactics that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. The, so, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying like maybe some of the listeners think like the cookies in a, in a daily scrum, like the, what, <laughs> what, what am I missing? You know, like, no, but uh, you're absolutely right. There's a, there's a need to fill something in when somebody leaves where somebody was maybe let's say famous for doing uh, and that was uh, obviously lifting the, the team spirit and who, how could we compensate or change or, or anything like that. So that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. want to interrupt you though. Oh, please do. I can tend to go on and on about this stuff. So. No, no, it's good. So one of the, the subtitle of your book is the art and wisdom of uh, changing teams. Yeah. Somehow that, that subtitle tells me that just changing teams because of changing teams is not a good idea either. No, that's not. So I, I'm not saying bust up all your teams and switch them all around. I'm saying that uh, changing teams or reteaming is something to have on the table as a lever while you're continuously improving. So let's say you have a retrospective and you realize that it's hard for us to make decisions as our team Mm -hmm. Maybe our work is becoming unrelated. Why do our stand-up meetings take twice as long or our planning meetings even worse? It seems that people don't really feel the need to listen to each other anymore because their work has diverged so much. Mm -hmm. When we have a retrospective and challenges like that come up, it's usually because the team has grown really big and it leads to the grow and split pattern. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm and, and so sometimes these teams will split because they've noticed in, in, in the pursuit to become more effective, team members will say, well, maybe we would be more effective if we were actually two teams or three teams. Right. That's kind of, that's grow and split. So, so what I'm saying is that I think a lot of the, the best teams that I've seen in the past mm -hmm. have included the ability to re-team when they're talking about how can we be more effective? And mm -hmm. I think it's been such a taboo topic because of all the dogma that says, keep your teams the same, you're going for long-lived stable teams, where a shift in perspective uh, might be useful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm thinking about, um, you know, while I'm talking to you, this is, uh, this is super interesting here. Um, there's one thing that came to mind and that is naming a team. Uh, some, I, I don't know, I don't know how often I heard it's a great idea and a lot of uh, organizations do this, but in the context of dynamic reteaming, putting a boundary, like a name on a team, isn't it so much harder to escape out of that team? Like to actually do, uh, uh, reteaming, like so I'm part of team, I don't know, I'm not very creative right now, A. You know, it's like I, I identify myself with A uh, and uh, and with that particular team. And some teams have really funny names and so on, but it's a name, right? I don't know how you feel about that. Like naming a team, is that uh, counterproductive to reteaming? That's an interesting question. I definitely think teams form identities. Like we are this team. 
Mm -hmm. Maybe it ties to what they own or what they build, or maybe in an environment where there's a lot of collective code ownership, the Mm -hmm. names might not be so related to a feature that they're building, for example. Right. So there's that. And, and, And what I've noticed is that sometimes when teams change dramatically or they like maybe there's only one person left in the team and all the other team members mm-hmm. moved on to other teams and then you have new people hired into that team. It's just different. The identity is, is, has changed. So maybe the team renames itself. There's a story, I believe in my first version of the book about a team that they were, they were called the Foo Fighters and it's okay. F, F-U. They, they, the, at this company, they had like nerdy twists on band names. So you had Diff yeah. Leopard fighters they 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 had they shared code and so the names of the teams were just the collection of people Mm -hmm. and they pulled from a backlog different features that they would work on it was really cool but when when the teams changed dramatically sometimes the name didn't really fit it's like that we are not that collective Mm -hmm. noun anymore that proper noun that's right and so they would have this identity shift at other times if if you have a team with an existing name and then one person joins it almost doesn't feel like enough to change the name of the team right unless somebody takes away what you're doing and you're suddenly working on something else i agree yeah uh, if we're going down it's really fascinating here right so if you if you think what's what's going on with all the scrum teams let's say out there in in organizations and they have a team name and, and stable and so on and here we're really talking about somewhat the opposite, right? Of that might not be a, a good setup um, in the first place. If I'm a team member on one of those teams and uh, I would be, let's say, I'm, I'm spotting that reteaming would be a good idea, let's say, right? Um, it's not necessarily easy to speak up. I mean, it takes courage to, uh, to possibly in a, in a meeting to say like, I think we should abandon this team or we should be merging with another team or we should split and reorganize ourselves. I mean, what do you have to say to individuals who feel like there is a better way of, of organizing themselves in an organization? Because somehow I'm, let's say I'm, a, I'm in a team of six and, and I feel like this team should not co- continue to exist as it is right now. It is not easy to bring up to say like, I, I think we should dissolve um, as a team. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a situation like that. I, I think it's more like as we as teams go through time, we come up with challenges. So we were talking about uh, when teams grow bigger. Mm-hmm. So that example that I was uh, giving before, a team grows bigger. Maybe we keep hiring in people because mm-hmm. we think that might help us build more. Let's say that's a common thing. Right. <laughs> we're going to hire in because we're going to, we're going to build more software together as this big team. Mm -hmm. Then the team will have a difficult time, more difficult time making decisions. They will have longer meetings and their work will become unrelated. Those are very common challenges of big teams. Mm -hmm. So then it's kind of like, okay, we are facing this challenge. What are the possible options to address this challenge? Well, one option is apply different modes of facilitation have an experienced facilitator come in and it's, you know, stop having your meetings where it's one or two people talking and everybody else listening. Maybe Mm -hmm. you need to facilitate that large group differently. So Mm -hmm. maybe one of the solutions is 
shift your facilitation, maybe apply some liberating structures or some patterns where you could have small group discussions, you diverge and then you converge as the big group mm -hmm. and you apply facilitation as a solution to the challenge of the big team. Yeah. That's possible. There yeah. are big, I'm not saying don't ever have a big team because some, some teams like to be larger because that gives them more variety for collaboration, like pair programming. Mm -hmm. Some teams merge together to get a larger group. In fact, I happen to be, I was just asked by <laughs> one team last week, one manager uh, last week at, at, at my job, hey, can you come help our team? We're merging together with another team and we want to start up again. Right. So that's like on something that I'm working on right now, I'm going to reach out to them, see what's going on, and then mm -hmm. suggest a few things. So, so anyway, teams go through time, they encounter challenges. What are the different options that you want to consider to solve them? One option for a large team is facilitation. Another option is splitting the team up yeah. into two teams. There's probably a third option. So it's kind of like you encounter a challenge, you entertain different possible solutions, what are the pros and cons of each, and then you convince mm -hmm. yourselves, you talk to each other, you talk to your leadership, and then you probably pursue something. Right. And so it's kind of like that. Uh, I, I used to give talks on this topic, which were really based on like, here's a problem you might encounter. These are different retaining patterns to consider as part of your solution. Right. I think in the past, what happened was reteaming was really never a valid option to consider because mm -hmm. it was down so much by the dogma that says, nah, you don't want to change your team. You have to keep that constant. And it's what? almost like it took away so many possibilities mm -hmm. that in some cases it's, it's kind of like you might want to split. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there is evidence out there for sure that we have, you know, a better learning environment with reteaming, right. And uh, more knowledge sharing and, you know, et cetera. Uh, I would like to take you big here uh, in thinking now. We, we talked about the individuals. We talked about the teams. Uh, reorgs. Um, you, we all went through reorgs, I think, at one point in our lives and uh, or participated or consulted on, on reorgs. Um, sometimes uh, organizations go through those on a yearly basis, sometimes even more often. Um, so sometimes you speak with employees and they uh, basically they're just saying like not another reorg, you know, and uh, they're getting almost like this being tired of reorgs. Mm -hmm. Does that mean, does that mean uh, with reorgs that these these employees are not dynamic if they're resisting reorgs uh, in the context of dynamic <laughs> reteaming because everything is in turmoil. We're changing the organization up. Um, we're reorganizing everything, and uh, and there might obviously be some resistance, right? Most definitely, and uh, you know reteaming. Can rip your heart out. Yeah, is not this panacea for the world's the the team's problems in, in the yeah. world. It it's uh, like the book has um, several different stories organized into patterns. It's almost mm -hmm. like an anthropology, just explaining the landscape. Right. Teams are going to change. They change. Here's how to cope with it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're going to want the teams to change so much that we're going to try to catalyze it for ourselves. Maybe we want to switch to a team. Mm -hmm. Maybe we want to catalyze it within our team. Like we're too big. We want to split at other times. We're going to encounter situations, especially as companies grow and mature, we're going to encounter somebody else is going to switch us from this team to another team. It's mm -hmm. just going to happen. 
happened. Yeah. I've been at companies that have doubled, tripled, quadrupled, and morpled. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, you know, at some point, sometimes it's the new leader effect. You get a new executive that comes in, they see things differently. In order for us to succeed as a company, we have to organize in this way. Right. I've seen that in my career. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's more sometimes we don't even know who determines the the reteaming. Um, there's some it can be more abstracted. Mm-hmm. So there's a wonderful article that I read recently that, um, you know, it's about, it's about change. Sometimes change is done to us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes change is done by us, for yeah. us. I'll send you the link if you have um, these show notes. Yeah. And it's Cormac Russell, is that his name? And I found it to be like a wonderful kind of succinct thing to look at. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just kind of a very nice frame. I mean, the fact is we're, we're going to encounter a lot of different things. We get to choose how we respond once we're in the reteaming. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's like sometimes the, the reward itself could be counterproductive, right, to a reteaming. Let's say a team has just found its way of reorganizing themselves you know, in a, in a way that they're like, you know, more productive now as a team and more effective as a team to, um, to solve, let's say a client problem, right? And then comes this reorg, especially in very large organizations, almost like a wave through uh, the organization, like a tsunami of, uh, of change, right? And that might be counterproductive, right? It's almost like an adaptive organization or like an agile organization um, would have, dynamic reteaming on a, on a such ongoing basis that reorgs would be just not, you know, not like part of the DNA anymore, right? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, people reorg for different reasons. In 2020, we saw a lot of reorgs due to COVID. We saw mm-hmm. companies going through financial challenges and letting staff go. Yeah, That resulted in most likely some consolidation of ownership and, and, uh, some probably some shifting of work uh, yeah. to account for all of the people that were gone. I mean, and this is this happened at many many companies. If you look, if just Google COVID yeah. uh, layoff, you'll find many many uh, company different different examples from different companies. Um, mm. So that's like kind of there's that's like one thing. People come in maybe at companies, I've never been a part of these in my career because I've always been in companies Mm -hmm. that uh, evolved. But if people do agile transformations, they come into a company and they change the team. That's another Mm -hmm. kind of reorg that can happen. Maybe a company reorganizes because they have a new strategy and in order to get to the future place that they need the company to be, they shift Mm -hmm. how the company is organized. It could be that they were organized by component team, they change, and now they're organized by product. I saw that a few companies ago. I think there's many different reasons for these large-scale change events. And the ones that I think are the most successful are when people are included in some of the decision-making. Yes, right. Again, it's like changed onto us. And that article here, I'll put in the Zoom chat, is is four modes of change to, for, with, and by, and it's by Cormac Russell. Awesome. And I'll put that on the show page for everybody yeah. to, uh, to see. That is awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for digging this up. Um, 
yeah, this is uh, this is really interesting stuff here. I mean, everybody who uh, listens to this here right now and thinks about hey, my team structure or things about um, possibly or reorganizing a department it doesn't have to be the whole organization, right? Um, and putting these things into uh, effect. You're absolutely right, me included. I, I just think always very positively about, hey, the companies in growth and, and so forth. It could be obviously other factors too, as we see here right now with uh, the pandemic and um, et cetera, we're going back into the financial crisis 2009. I mean, there's just other forces that um, uh, challenge this. Uh, what are you working on these days in, in terms of the topic? Are you are you still um, possibly working on version three at some point, or are you uh, picking up another topic? What are you, what do you, um, what keeps you up at night? Yeah, it. Frankly, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I'm in that space where I have a lot of different ideas mm -hmm. and I'm pursuing <laughs> different things in parallel. And um, not quite sure where to focus. I yeah. started writing some stories. Like I was actually working this morning on on a story about um, my son is a cancer survivor, and I was writing. He he's doing very well, and I was writing a story related to that. I have that kind of thread going. I have another thread going uh, where I'm kind of writing about uh, coaching engagements and how to have them internal in your company and how to structure them. Mm -hmm. That's another kind of thread that I have. Right. And yeah, just, I think, you know, it's interesting after writing this book and after doing a couple editions of mm -hmm. two editions of this book, I had thought even last week, should I continue on this topic? And there's definitely more to say. Oh yeah, it's this more. Uh, yeah. so third edition, I don't know. That's Maybe, yeah. Yeah, part yeah. part of me is kind of like, well, keep that going, and another yes. part of me is like explore other things. And yeah, I'm, I'm conflicted and torn. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely, and you should celebrate the moment uh, because this the second edition just came out. But when you start writing and digging into this topic, you all of a sudden realize, hey, there's more and here's another one and here's another handle on this. And so and sometimes things just evolve, but you have enough interesting topics on your end. Maybe we can talk about them in a later podcast uh, at some point. Talk about coaching, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I would love to say that I love championing people that are doing interesting things in the reteaming space, like Chris mm -hmm. Smith from mm -hmm. Redgate Software. So. Another kind of reorg is more of an open reorg where the people have a say mm -hmm. in the decision making on the teams. And I, I, have you heard of Redgate? Have you met Chris? No, I've not. No. So he's uh, they're over in Cambridge uh, in the UK. And at Redgate, they have open reteaming events where they facilitate workshops where people choose the teams that they want to work on. Mm -hmm. And they've done this person and they've done this just virtually a month or two ago and Chris uh, blogs about it uh, mm -hmm. I believe on Medium and so they're doing some really interesting things there where it's at the opposite end of the spectrum from what we were talking about right so it's kind of like that um, change with yeah. someone else like that article mm -hmm. so they have these it, this is in the spirit of the book, Creating Great Teams by Sandy Mamoli and David Mole, yeah. where they talk about having self-selection events where yeah. people choose or have a say in the teams that they join. Mm -hmm. And so I love hearing these stories about uh, what they're doing at Redgate because it's, it's, it's a great example of 
how do we include people in the decisions about what really is a reorg, just a right. special open type of reorg. Right. And people could get in touch with you about this because it seems like you're very interested in finding out what is going on in the in the field of reteaming, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, when people have interesting stories to share about this, I'm, I'm definitely interested to hear about it. Or when people are coming upon challenges as well, it, yeah. it's interesting to me. Awesome. And maybe there's another pattern in the making. Who knows, right? Through all the stories, yeah. maybe there is something. So uh, HeidiHelfand.com is the address. We're also going to put it on the on the show page. I want to say thank you for spending some time here with me talking about this topic. Um, and uh, just the last reference you made to Sandy, she was also on the show. So that's a few, I think it was a few years, maybe one or two years ago, uh, I had her on Agile FM. So uh, I'll I cross link that episode if somebody's interested in, in learning about that too. So thank you. And, uh, and maybe we can talk about another topic or a deeper conversation about uh, uh, this topic here on Agile FM sometime in the near future. Sounds great, Joe. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.